is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Joe Biden believes he's commander-in-chief of two countries, ours and Israel's. And look at the job he did for us. And now he wants to do it for Israel. Behind the scenes, Joe Biden and Blinken and the other Obamaites are telling the Israelis they have to feed and medicate the people in Gaza, which simply means they have to allow trucks in so Hamas can control it all. Hamas isn't going to feed and medicate Palestinian citizens. It's using them as shields. It's slaughtering them. How absurd. At the same time, they keep saying they don't want a second front to open. How many times do you tell an enemy what you don't want them to do, Mr. Producer? Over and over and over again. We don't want a second front. We don't want a third front. We don't want a second front. We don't want a third front. Meanwhile, Hezbollah has killed 10, 10 Israeli IDF soldiers with one of their terrorists being killed. People keep saying, and I've been telling you this for weeks, why, why hasn't the IDF gone into Gaza? Because they are being pressured not to. Why? Because Hamas is playing Biden and Blinken like they knew they could. They have several hundred hostages. And they'll give them one here, maybe two here, maybe four there. And think about this, if you're an Israeli, Hamas has already announced not a single one of your IDF soldiers is going back. And all they hear about from Biden is, we want our American hostages back. I got it. But the Israeli population is saying, well, what about our hostages? Why isn't our government going into Gaza? Nobody's been able to negotiate for our people. We're providing food and medication and so forth for the enemy, Hamas. 
You got Biden now. He's got he's got the a general over there advising the Israelis on what they may or may not do. And then we have people here saying it's very complicated. They need more time. No, they don't need more time. Time is on Hamas's side. It's on Iran's side. It's on Syria's side. It's on Hezbollah's side. Russia and China, it's on their side. So Biden sees all this, and what does he say? We got to put pressure on Israel, not Iran. The oil spigot is going full time. Billions and billions coming in. Over a billion dollars a week. Meanwhile, nobody's talking about the shuttle diplomacy that's going on with the Iranian foreign minister, with the Palestinian Authority, with the Syrians, with Hezbollah, he's traveling all over the region. Then you see in the streets, those are Democrats. Those are Democrats carrying Palestinian flags, some of them Italian flags, they get confused. Democrats. Some of them are here more recently than others, but they're Democrats. And if they vote, they vote Democrat. I guarantee you there's not a Republican among them. You know, it's very interesting. I wrote this book, American Marxism. It sold a million and a half copies. It's interesting to hear hosts on friendly networks, hosts like Bill Maher, they talk about oppressed and oppressor. Mr. Producer, did they ever talk about that before I wrote this book? The entire book's about oppressed and oppressor. So I want to salute them, plagiarists all. But more importantly, it just shows you how powerful you are. The word of mouth ideas, I say this over and over again. They can have an effect, a very, very important effect. So people who never heard of oppressed and oppressor before, whether they're comedians, whether they're TV hosts or whatever they are, now they regurgitate it. Now they understand it. I want to read something to you from the beginning of American Marxism. Chapter 1. It's here. The counter-revolution to the American Revolution is in full force. I actually wrote this four years ago. And it can no longer be dismissed or ignored for it is devouring our society and culture. Swirling around our everyday lives and ubiquitous in our politics, schools, media, and entertainment. Once a mostly unrelatable fringe and subterranean movement, it is here. It is everywhere. You, your children, and your grandchildren are now immersed in it. And it threatens to destroy the greatest nation ever established along with your freedom, family, and security. Of course, the primary difference between the counter-revolution and the American Revolution is that the former seeks to destroy American society and impose autocratic rule, and the latter sought to protect American society and institute representative government. The counter-revolution or movement I speak is Marxism. And I've written about Marxism at length in two earlier books, Ameritopia and Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism. and discuss it regularly on my radio and television shows. There are also untold numbers of books written about Marxism. It is not my purpose to contribute yet another long treatise to the many that exist. 
nor is it possible given the focus and limitations of this book. But the application and adaption of core Marxist teachings to American society and culture, what I call American Marxism, must be addressed and confronted lest we are smothered by its modern manifestations. And make no mistake, the situation today is dire. In America, many Marxists cloak themselves in phrases like progressives, democratic socialists, social activists, community activists, and so forth, as most Americans remain openly hostile to the name Marxism. They operate under myriad newly minted organizational or identifying nomenclatures such as Black Lives Matter, Antifa, the Squad, etc. And they claim to promote economic justice, environmental justice, racial equity, gender equity, and so forth. They've invented new theories like critical race theory and phrases and terminologies linked to or fitted into a Marxist construct. They claim the dominant culture and capitalist system are unjust and inequitable. It ain't, let's see, racist and sexist, colonialist and imperialist, materialistic and destructive of the environment. Of course, the purpose to tear down and tear apart the nation for a thousand reasons and in a thousand ways, thereby dispiriting and demoralizing the public, undermining the citizens' confidence in the nation's institutions, traditions, and customs, creating one calamity after another, Weakening the nation from within and ultimately destroying what we know as American republicanism and capitalism. There should be no mistake. The various leaders of this counter-revolution are increasingly outspoken and brazen about who they are. Wrote it four years ago. Including bands of openly Marxist professors and activists. And they're supported by a core group of zombie woke followers. Whatever their labels and self-description. The essential characteristics of their belief statements and policies exhibit core Marxist dogma. They occupy our colleges and universities, newsrooms and social media, boardrooms and entertainment. Their ideas are prominent within the Democrat Party, the Oval Office, and the halls of Congress. Their influence is seen and felt among the mostly witting, as well as the unsuspecting, in news reporting, movies, television shows, and commercials publishing and sports, as well as teacher training and classroom curriculum throughout America's public school system. <clears throat> they use the tactics of propaganda and indoctrination and demand conformity and compliance, silencing contrary voices through repressive tactics, such as the cancel culture, which destroys reputations and careers, censoring and banning mostly patriotic and contrary views on social media, even including former President Trump, and attacking academic freedom and intellectual interchange in higher education. Indeed, they take aim at all aspects of our culture, historical monuments. Mark Twain, William Shakespeare, Mr. Potato Head, Dr. Seuss, Disney cartoons, ad infinitum. Pronouns are banned and replaced with nondescript words so as not to offend 58 flavors of gender identification. Past social media posts are scrutinized for early indications of insufficient fealty to the present-day Marxist hegemony. Journalists and editorial pages are sanitized of non-believers. And yet historical and present-day experience shows that Marxism and its supposed workers' paradise are responsible for the death of tens of millions of human beings and the impoverishment and enslavement of over a billion more. 
And he goes on. That last sentence. Responsible for the death of millions. Tens of millions. This is the core of the modern day Democrat Party. This is what it is. And that's why I followed up with the Democrat Party hates America. Because it does. And virtually every one of those protesters, violent, vile, anti-Semites, America haters, on our college campuses, tenured professors, and our news media are Democrats. Or they vote for Democrats. Never going to vote for Republican. Are they? And not only that, the Democrats won't secure the border. The Democrats own our colleges and universities. The Democrats own the teachers' unions. The Democrats own our libraries. Democrats own the media. Which is why I wrote The Democrat Party Hates America. I don't need any more money. I am mission-oriented. And so chapter one says the Democrat Party and authoritarianism. This book is not intended to be provocative, but in the Democrat Party-centric parts of our society, it undoubtedly will be. It's not written for Democrat Party officials, politicians, media, sycophants, activists, surrogates. It's written for those patriotic Americans who fear for our country and its future. America is unraveling. This came out, you'll recall, this book. September 19th. Our founding and history are under assault. Our families and faiths are being degraded. Individualism has been substituted for groupism. Colorblindness is now racism. Capitalism and prosperity are being devoured by economic socialism and climate change fanaticism. Classrooms have become indoctrination mills for racism, segregation, bigotry, and sexual perversion. And teachers' unions are hostile to parental involvement in critical decisions about the health and welfare of their children. And in America, free speech and academic freedom are shrinking. And the police state is growing as it's monitoring and spying on American citizens. The government is banning and regulating more and more household products. The small to the large. Crime is out of control on our streets, public transportation and schools, while police budgets are slashed and many prosecutors and judges coddle violent criminals. Our borders are wide open to millions of foreigners who seek entry into our country. Drug and criminal cartels ship killer drugs into our country by the tons and brutalize immigrants by using them as indentured servants and sex slaves. And the list goes on. And the Democrat Party is responsible for most of this and much more. And I go on. My friend Derek Hunter in Town Hall, a great columnist, he puts it this way. I had to check the calendar to make sure it wasn't 1938. Then I had to check the books I owned to make sure they weren't actually written in German. Once I confirmed that it's 2023 and I live in the United States, I was left only to shake my head in disgust of what Democrats have exposed themselves to be. Make no mistake, I never really thought they were great people. The party of slavery, Jim Crow, and segregation isn't suddenly going to pull a 180 and not be monsters. It's who they are. They've never changed their objectives, only their tactics. Sounds like he's read my book, but he's a good, good writer. Now their embrace of segregation is done in the name of tolerance, of providing safe space to minorities. But make most mistake, 
The end result is the same. That's the thing about the left. They happily tell you who they are and the horrible things they hold dear, and you ha- and all you have to do is believe them. I want to finish with a few of his paragraphs when we return here because they're quite good. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Have you been waiting to buy gold as an investment? Lots of commercials out there, but who can you really trust? I didn't want to make a bad investment, but didn't want to miss the boat either. Sound familiar? Fortunately, I've got great news. If you have an IRA or 401k and want to buy physical gold to diversify your investment, eliminate fear and uncertainty from the process, get the new gold IRA company integrity checklist. It helps you evaluate and choose the best gold IRA company. To get your free IRA company integrity checklist today, text LEVIN to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Now, I trust Augusta Precious Metals and invested myself. Use this checklist to choose the best gold IRA company for yourself and see if you agree. To get your free gold IRA company integrity checklist today, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at Augusta Precious Metals all right, we pick up where I left off with Derek Hunter and his piece at Town Hall. Town Hall's been great, Katie Pavlich, the uh, head muckety-muck over there. Says the terror attack in Israel two weeks ago brought out the worst on the left, but it's also their true self. You can't cheer for the wholesale murder of innocent people and really be a good person deep down. No, that's not how it works. It's the opposite. They're raging bigots and monsters who manage to tamp it down below the surface most of the time until there's something to protest or celebrate. It's really that simple. It says, I'm not Jewish and I'm disgusted. I can only imagine the sense of betrayal and horror Jews feel as friends, neighbors, and colleagues felt so compelled to defend the murderers of Jews for the express reason that they were Jewish 24 hours after the attack, the Democratic Socialists of America, who count AOC and so forth, among their ranks and supporters, marched in support of Hamas in New York City. The next day, before there was anywhere near an accurate body count, let alone an understanding of the scale of evil, they didn't march against Israel, they marched in favor of Hamas, literally celebrating the paragliders and the posters promoting it. And he goes on. And it's true. This is what the Democrat Party has become. Have you been waiting to buy gold as an investment? Lots of commercials out there, but who can you really trust? I didn't want to make a bad investment, but didn't want to miss the boat either. Sound familiar? Fortunately, I've got great news. If you have an IRA or 401k and want to buy physical gold to diversify your investment, eliminate fear and uncertainty from the process, get the new gold IRA company integrity checklist. It helps you evaluate and choose the best gold IRA company. To get your free IRA company integrity checklist today, text LEVIN to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Now, I trust Augusta Precious Metals and invested myself. Use this checklist to choose the best gold IRA company for yourself and see if you agree. To get your free gold IRA company integrity checklist today, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at Augusta Precious Metals. 
The new American Revolution starts here. The Mark Levin Show. Call in at 877-381-3811. You've heard of this group, Jewish Voices for Peace. This group was organized by a bunch of professors who are Jewish and Marxists who hate America and hate Israel. Including Noam Chomsky. There's an overlap, you see, between the Hamas terrorist ideology and the Marxist ideology. And I believe both were in the streets in 2020, looking to overthrow the United States and our traditions here. And, of course, are out there protesting uh, against uh, Israel and for Hamas. And they're carrying Palestinian flags. They're not even carrying Hamas stuff. Because for all this talk about the great distinction between Palestinians and Hamas, how do we know there's such a great distinction? Where does, where does that manifest itself anywhere on earth? Where? Trey Yingst is on Fox News Saturday. And I want you to listen to this hat tip New York Post. Cut 26, go. We do have some updates for you. Fox News has exclusively obtained and reviewed an Israeli interrogation video of a Hamas militant that crossed into southern Israel on October 7th and participated in the massacre of so many innocent civilians. I do need to warn our viewers, some of what I'm about to describe is extremely graphic. But this fighter telling the interrogator in the video, a man in his 20s, he's sitting in a white cloth jumpsuit, talks about the coordination and planning that went into the attack in southern Israel. He talks about using the app Telegram to communicate in real time and send videos of the massacre to other Hamas members in southern Israel. Additionally, he talks about how jeeps were used along with trucks to enter the southern part of this country. Uh, We've seen the pickup trucks that were left behind by these militants. And they entered these communities just slaughtering people. I do want to talk, though, about what he explained to this interrogator regarding Islam. He acknowledges that in Islam, you're not supposed to kill women, children and the elderly, but says Hamas commanders ordered these individuals to do just that, telling people to step on the heads of Israelis, behead them and cut their feet. These graphic descriptions of what the militants did I just give you some idea of the, the plans and the executions that took place in southern Israel just two weeks ago. Well, uh, I can tell you what some of that is. Cutting off women's breasts in front of their husbands. Cutting the legs off of people when they're alive. Rape that is so horrific that pelvises of young girls are actually breaking. They put these guys on drugs, hyped them all up, <clears throat> told them do whatever you want to do, and they did whatever they wanted to do, gave them suggestions, as he says. And of course, they used the suggestions. Now, I want to ask you, this audience here is special. You're red-blooded Americans. If an enemy did that to us, would we be saying, don't go so fast, 
We have diplomatic channels that were working. Don't overreact. Or as Biden says, don't don't react in rage like we did after 9-11. Don't be blinded by rage. Which is obnoxious. Don't the Israelis have a right to be enraged? He keeps telling the enemy over and over and over again, we don't want a, uh, a two-front war. What the hell does he think is going on here? Hezbollah has decided to participate in the fighting. They already are. And other than lectures, why isn't he cutting off Iran? Because Biden is a fool. He's an idiot. It's easier to make public pronouncements. It's, it's easier to hug the families of hostages in Israel to mourn the death of those who were slaughtered. For Biden to react militarily and aggressively and quickly is rage. You see what he did in Afghanistan. Surrender. It didn't matter. All the hell, the maiming, what happened to the women left behind, American citizens left behind. The surest way not to get hostages is to show these terrorist subhumans that you want the hostages. Carter spent over a year begging the, this same Iranian regime to give us our hostages from the U.S. Embassy. Remember that? Over a year. So they held that over our heads for over a year. Reagan gets elected. On the day he's elected, they release the hostages. They feared Reagan. Reagan showed the way with the Iranians. Trump showed the way with the Iranians. But Biden is a very stupid, old, nasty, stubborn man who thinks he knows everything. On October 9th and October 22nd, the U.S. released a joint statement with our allies and the word Iran was missing from both. On October 22nd statement, just the other day, he lectures Israel, quote, called for adherence to international humanitarian law, including the protection of civilians. I hope you were able to watch my shows on Saturday and Sunday. We dealt with what is the rule of law when it comes to the military and, and war. It's obvious that Israel is adhering to it. So why does he keep saying that? Why does he keep raising questions about that? And the idea that you feed the enemy when you're fighting the enemy is perverse beyond belief. And I'm glad to hear some of my colleagues on my favorite cable network making these analogies with the Germans and Japan. This show has an enormous impact. It's got a tremendous audience of fantastic patriots and red-blooded Americans. But it also has an audience on cable TV, columnists, radio hosts, TV hosts, and that's important. Because much of what they say you've heard here first. And I love some of these critics as a footnote. You know, Mark did this, I did this history of the Hamas network, and I pulled it directly from a a fantastic scholarly unit at 
George Washington University on extremism and Hamas, these terrorists. The guy says, Mark didn't go far enough. He needs to have posters. Shut the hell up, you moron. Everybody is free to pick up where I left off and make their charts and posters and whatever they want to do. The fact of the matter is, we've got a combination of people who hate America, hate freedom, hate democracy, and hate the Jews. And by the way, hate you. And that is the Marxists and the terrorists. Because Marxism is effectively a terrorist ideology. And the Islamic terrorists will get their support wherever they can. And notice, Joe Biden never talks about the Islamic terrorists. They'll keep telling you Hamas is different than the Palestinians. Okay. How about the Iranians? You haven't called them terrorists yet. Barely mentions them. You know, he admonishes Israel, the victim, more than he admonishes Iran. Think about it. He keeps warning Israel to follow the rules of law, excuse me, the rules of war, when they are, when they are. So why does he keep saying that to them? And keep saying it openly and publicly. And not, I'll tell you why. Because behind the scenes, I suspect the Israelis are pushing back, saying, hey, look, we got to get on with this. Remember a few weeks ago, they said they had a delay because of weather. Who came on this microphone and told you that's bull crap? It's nothing to do with the weather. Is there still a weather problem? No, there's a Biden problem. So we read all these articles. Biden is pressuring Israel to delay its ground offensive into Gaza. It's being leaked and openly stated to CNN, the New York Times, CBS, the Washington Post, Axios, Politico. So they put the word out there. That's how they work. Biden administration says we support Israel defending itself from Hamas, but then it undermines and pressures Israel not to act in a timely and decisive manner, trying to restrain them. Now, those are Israeli soldiers by the hundreds of thousands who are on the line. Biden's more focused on appeasing Iran. That's what he is. The Wall Street Journal's reporting more hostages being released or being held up over Hamas's demand that Israel permit fuel into Gaza. Fuel. Because Hamas knows how to play Putin, Blinken, and the Democrats. Israeli officials have said they want all hostages released before permitting the delivery of fuel. Israeli officials have also told negotiators they believe Hamas and other militant groups could divert fuel for military purposes. So the way you you deal with an enemy like this is through crushing sanctions like Trump was doing. Crushing sanctions on Iran because Iran controls these various surrogates. But now Biden is dictating to Israel how to respond. How to respond to Hamas, how to respond to Hezbollah, send some general over there. Oh, he's going to give advice. And he's also going to be telling them what we can accept, what we can't accept, and what to do. Who's ever done anything like this? 
So they've deployed these two carrier groups and more, a lot of ships. It's a lot of gunpowder, a lot of jets to deter Iran and Hezbollah. Well, how's that working? How's that working out? CNN, which is schizophrenic, but mostly schizophrenic, they even report intelligence shows Iranian-backed militias are ready to ramp up their attacks against U.S. forces in the Middle East, against Israeli forces in the Middle East. So what the hell is Biden doing? So they've escalated the attacks, the Iranians. Attacks on us, too. In self-defense. And he still leaves the spigot on for them to get a billion dollars or a billion and a half dollars a week in money from selling oil to, among others, China. Iran has attacked the United States 90 times, give or take, since Biden took office. We've responded four times. Four. Four times. So what do you think the enemy thinks? They think we're weak. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Have you been waiting to buy gold as an investment? Lots of commercials out there, but who can you really trust? I didn't want to make a bad investment, but didn't want to miss the boat either. Sound familiar? Fortunately, I've got great news. If you have an IRA or a 401k and want to buy physical gold to diversify your investment, eliminate fear and uncertainty from the process, get the new gold IRA company integrity checklist. It helps you evaluate and choose the best gold IRA company. To get your free IRA company integrity checklist today, text LEVIN to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Now, I trust Augusta Precious Metals and invested myself. Use this checklist to choose the best gold IRA company for yourself and see if you agree. To get your free gold IRA company integrity checklist today, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at Augusta Precious Metals so Barack Melhouse Obama, who I've called in the past an anti-Semite with the way he treated Israel, particularly near the end of his presidency with the big stupid John Kerry, puts out this statement. Statement. Remember, he, uh, he sat on his hands for many days after the horror took place. Israel has a right to defend its citizens against such wanton violence. I fully support Biden's call for the U.S. to support our longtime ally in going after Hamas, dismantling its military capabilities, and facilitating the safe return of hundreds of hostages to their family. But even as we support Israel, we should also be clear that how Israel prosecutes this fight against Hamas matters. So there you go. Now, Obama didn't write this. He may have had a final edit. This was written by his former staffers, like Ben Rhodes. Uh, And also, um, he cites Thomas Friedman. Thomas Friedman is Jewish. But much like Jewish voters for peace, or whatever they call themselves, or J Street, or whatever, he's a horrendous self-hating Jew, in my view. It's my opinion. He's part of the radical left in Israel, 
He always has been part of the radical left in Israel. If you go through his past art columns, the way I've gone through his past columns, he is a uh, he is an apologist for the Palestinians. He has a true hate on for Benjamin Netanyahu, always has, and all the more conservative parties, which they keep calling extremists, you know, like you and me, MAGA Republicans, Netanyahu, you know, legislators. And he's not the only one. He is contemptible. And Biden listens to him. And you should go through his columns and see what an ass he is and how wrong he's been and the horrific things he says, really undermining the state of Israel, given given who reads the New York Slimes, and who the hell would work for the New York Slimes if he supported Israel anyway, the Holocaust-denying publication. But I have one here from Peggy Noonan. Peggy Noonan is a moron. She is a know-nothing. She is a phony elitist. She wants to be among them. She writes on the pages of the Wall Street Journal, barely literate in my view, was a speechwriter for Reagan, but not the only one, of course. Started out as an assistant to Dan Rather, Just contemptible. And in her piece, she writes in part a couple of weeks ago, I will only quickly say, Mr. Netanyahu, this is after the attack, that I think of him as I thought of Boris Johnson, a bad man who is bad because he thinks politics now is beyond bad and good. You don't even have to make a choice. There's nothing in being good. It's all about you and your quest for power and greatness. It never occurs to them not to be selfish because the self is all. This is how he divided his country over domestic questions, alienated his armed forces, stigmatized functioning establishment, and left this country vulnerable to epic intelligence and security failure that is now as like a, you know what, you a-hole, you don't know what the hell's going on. You and your little socialized circles in Manhattan or wherever the hell you are. You don't have the foggiest idea what's taking place. None for you to write this bombastic stupidity. You Thomas Friedman wannabe, and I see it, even on my favorite cable channel from time to time. It's Netanyahu's fault, you see. Not Biden, who's been giving aid and comfort to the enemy. And Ehud Barak, the former prime minister of Israel, which, who negotiated to give most of Israel away, but Arafat wouldn't accept it. He wanted all of it. He's been making the circuit on the TV networks, on the TV programs, all around. Even in the eyes of what just took place. Trying to topple the existing government there. She talks about the IDF. Ehud Barak, Lapid, and the others urged the IDF to counter, to counter their commander-in-chief. Urged the Mossad, their equivalent of the CIA, to undermine their existing government. All because Netanyahu wanted to bring more democracy back to his country because they have a bunch of judges like Tanya Chunkin. Tanya Chunkin. Stealing and seizing power from the public. These people are ignoramuses and they are giving aid and comfort to the enemy. Noonan, Friedman, Barack, they are giving aid and comfort to the enemy, and they're not alone. I'll be right back.
This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. You know, Mark, I want to make a definitive statement about something here. <clears throat> For all the attacks on President Trump the last few weeks about Israel... Things he said, things he posted. Last week he posted something, he said, hashtag I stand with Israel, hashtag I stand with Bibi. And he has been making public comments, posting things, and speaking at rallies, full-throated support for Israel. Absolutely unequivocal. And he's been, even as president, Full-throated support for Israel, absolutely unequivocal. But look how the same damn media that regurgitates what Hamas gives them takes no responsibility for lighting fires, terrorist arsonists all over the world, including in our own country had so many terrible things to say about Trump the last two weeks. And yet Trump has given his full-throated support to Israel. His full-throated condemnation of Iran, Hamas, and Hezbollah. Where are all the articles? I don't see any of these articles. Where are all the articles? There aren't any. I hope you've been able to watch my Fox shows, my Blaze shows, in addition to listening to this show. I went through the Hamas network in the United States. And you know who asked for a copy of the text of that, Mr. Producer? Well, you know, you were contacted. President Trump's people. Nobody else. Not anyone in any newsroom anywhere. Nobody. His people reached out and they wanted to know this additional information, the source of the information. They wanted a text of the information. Not the New York Times. The New York Times is having to give a back-ass, backdoor apology, which it did after the Holocaust, too. I should say 60 years after the Holocaust. For what it's been printing. And yeah, I notice that not one of these so-called conservatives or Jewish people who work at the New York Times has resigned. I notice that Maggie Haberman still works there. Not that she's Jewish, doesn't really matter. Thomas Friedman's there, he loves what the New York Times is doing. Sure, regurgitate what the enemy says. This guy Brett Stevens, he didn't resign. Nobody resigns. They're all there happily accepting money from this corporation that has blood on its hands. From Stalin to Hitler to Hamas. No big deal. 
Now, it is a big deal. It's disgusting. The media in our country. It's grotesque. And still liberals want to believe in their party. Well, not all. Some of them have had a rude awakening. You know, your old-time liberals who are Democrats, many of them Jewish, many of them still in the big cities. Oh, I never knew my party stood for this. You didn't? Well, you don't listen to us? You don't read anything we write? Of course, if you buy books at independent bookstores, for the most part, you won't even see what I write. Of course, we know that. But it's pretty amazing, I would say. About, uh, oh, let's see. Oh, we know. Eight and a half years ago, I made a confession to you folks. Eight and a half years ago. I want you to listen to this. Go ahead, Mr. Producer. I'm also going to tell you something that I've only told family and my closest friends. And I've held off on telling you this for many, many years. Because when we had men and women in the theater fighting in Iraq, I believe they should have gotten our complete support. And I believed in what they were trying to do. Very much so. But here's what I haven't said. I believe we attacked the wrong country. Mr. Producer, I don't think you ever heard me say this. We should have attacked Iran. Iran is spreading terrorism. Iran has global designs. Iran is responsible for the murder of American citizens and American soldiers. Not that I was opposed in any way to taking out Saddam Hussein. I wasn't. Not under this guise of a democracy project, which I always thought was nutty. But because he was a horribly evil man doing horribly evil things. But in terms of geopolitics and national security... I feel we attacked the wrong country. I feel we should have attacked Iran. And I said this several years ago to family members, not even to Mr. Producer. I was never going to get on this microphone and start aiding and abetting the enemy and undermining our men and women in uniform. And as I said, I believe their cause was just. And nobody should misinterpret what I'm saying. But Iran is and was the greatest threat. Here we have in the Washington Free Beacon. The Iranian dissident group known for exposing key aspects of Iran's secret nuclear work claims it now is evidence of an active and secret parallel nuclear program operated by Tehran. And of course that big dummy mashed potato face, a.k.a. our Secretary of State. No, actually not mine. Your Secretary of State. I wouldn't be surprised that they're pulling the, uh, the burqa over his eyes. The National Council of Resistance of Iran, also known as the MEK, MEK, said in a report released today, it has found concrete evidence of an underground, top-secret site currently used by the Iranian regime for research and development with advanced centrifuges for uranium enrichment. The NCRI and 
Iranian opposition group is known for making big reveals about clandestine nuclear work in Tehran, though its findings have been disputed in the past. So I wanted you to know that, too. Disputed or not, I don't doubt it. Can't prove it. Nobody can prove it. That's also part of the problem. The UN's cut out. Any good they were in any any event. I don't trust this administration to negotiate with anybody. That's part of the problem. And the Islamo-Nazis, why would they agree to do anything that prevents them from acquiring nukes, given the amount of money they've spent, the amount of time they've spent on this, and their objective, which is world domination and the destruction of the United States? So I thought I'd play that for you, eight and a half years old. But my feelings change fairly quickly. And I felt we had, we attacked the wrong country. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I have to tell you something that speaks to the very core of our values as Americans. About a veteran-owned company on a mission to make a real difference in the lives of our military members. And of course, I'm talking about our great sponsor, Pure Talk. I absolutely love what they're doing. Our veterans gave everything to protect our nation. And Pure Talk understands the sacrifices they've made. Now, they've set an ambitious goal to eliminate $10 million in military debt by Veterans Day. But they can't do it alone. They need your help. When you switch to Pure Talk's lightning-fast 5G network, they'll donate a portion of every new order to this no cause. And you can make a real difference just by choosing superior cell phone service. And Pure Talk's plans start at just 20 bucks a month, offering unlimited talk, unlimited text, more data, and a mobile hotspot. Just go to puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, and make the switch. Let's rally together, show our unwavering support for our veterans, get the best service at the best price as well. Visit puretalk.com slash Levin, puretalk.com slash L-E-V-I-N, and switch to Pure Talk today in less than 10 minutes. It's the right move, and it's the American way. And here we have from Just the News. Anti-Israel sentiment has permeated Biden administration from the start. Even as President Joe Biden touts his support for Israel, many of his appointees have expressed anti-Israel, anti-Semitic sentiments. Even after Hamas terrorists invaded Israel and killed more than 1,400 people, including at least 31 of our citizens. Biden has appointed the most anti-Semitic, anti-Israel people to important posts we've ever seen, says Morton Klein, Zionist Organization of America, national president to Just the News. He was on this program last week. ZOA has identified dozens of current and former Biden administration officials with a history of anti-Israel and anti-Semitic comments. For example, Secretary of State Antony Blinken was on the list, in part because he opposed sanctioning Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps and designating it as a foreign terrorist organization. Iran is a known funder of terror groups targeting Israel, including Hamas and Hezbollah, and I might add targeting the United States. After the October 7 attack against Israel, Blinken made a post calling for Israel to reach a ceasefire with Hamas. He has since deleted the post. Almost every person appointed to an important post is hostile to Israel. This is, an, this is anti-Semitism, Klein alleged. Another high-profile example of anti-Israel sentiment is the administration comes from National Security Council Senior Intelligence Director Maher Bitar, B-I-T-A-R. Uh, 
As a student at Georgetown in 2006, Bitar led the Students for Justice in Palestine. I've told you about them. That's a Hamas front group. And hosted a student meeting about how to demonize Israel in the minds of Christians. The Georgetown Students for Justice in Palestine chapter put out a statement blaming the brutal October 7 Hamas terrorist attack on Israel. As in many other of their chapters across the nation. As I said, they are Hamas front group. Another example, Biden appointed Rima Dodin, D-O-D-I-N, to serve as White House Legislative Affairs Deputy Director. She justified Palestinian suicide bombings against Jews as, quote, the last resort of a desperate people, unquote, during the second intifada in 2002 when she spoke in Lodi, California, about the conflict as a student at Berkeley, according to the Lodi News Sentinel. Biden's campaign was also filled with people expressing anti-Israel sentiments. A 2021 letter signed by more than 500 Biden campaign alumni demanded the president blank, excuse me, quote, hold Israel accountable for its actions, unquote, after Israel responded to a barrage of rockets from Gaza. This, this is after we know what Hamas did. At least nine of the letter's signatories are now Biden administration staffers, according to an analysis from Real Clear Politics. Other signatories went on to work for Democrats in Congress, such as Venary Kong, who serves as staff assistant to the Senate Armed Services Committee, and Samia Alleman, who's digital director for Representative Jimmy Gomez, Democrat, California. The Biden administration has also sent $730 million to the United Nations Relief and Works Agency, UNRWA, which is corrupt as hell. It is well known that UNRWA has a history of employing people connected to terrorist movements like Hamas, promoting anti-Semitic material in its textbooks and allowing Hamas to use its schools to store weapons, said Idaho Senator Jim Risch. He wrote about that organization last year for it came to light that the teachers hired by the U.N. agency called for the murder of Jews. The agency said earlier this month that Hamas stole their supplies for civilians, but the post was quickly deleted. Donations to the U.N. agency are in addition to the hundreds of millions of dollars the Biden administration gave directly to the West Bank and Gaza, even as Hamas terrorists in Gaza continue to use that funding for terror. Biden's defenders point to his recent trip to Israel, his support of the Israeli offensive against Hamas and his efforts, kind of, and his efforts earlier this year to unveil anti-Semitism strategy nationwide. But the Biden administration's funding isn't limited to the people in Palestine. By easing sanctions on Iran to allow the Islamic Republic to export oil to China, it gave Tehran more than $50 billion, according to the think tank, the Foundation for Defense of Democracy. Now, I was the first one to point that out publicly. And I did it on Fox. And I learned about it from my stepson, David. He said, everyone's focusing on the $6 billion. But they're getting tens of billions in oil revenue. And he sent me the details about how, how much the Iranians are exporting, what kind of money they're getting back. And same with the visible nuclear material, 2%. When Trump left office, it's now at 60% today with Biden office. Mark Klein said, I would say that Joe Biden is the most hostile to Israel president we've ever had. Close call between him and Obama. But they're the same thing. Blinken was Deputy Secretary of State under Obama. They brought back the merry band of sellouts and pro-terrorist operatives. 
Additionally, Biden partnered with Council on American Islamic Relations. Remember that? I spoke at length about that behind my microphone, who cares, as well as on Fox this weekend. Biden partnered with a group that's known by the FBI to be a Hamas terrorist front group that was hatched in that meeting in Philadelphia with Hamas. They partnered, Biden did, for his administration's strategy to counter anti-Semitism earlier this year. After the attack on Israel, CARE CEO Hassan Yaq said he's trying to fight the myth that the murders of innocent civilians were unprovoked. Some of the organization's leaders have expressed support for violence against Israel and refused to express support for Israel's right to exist. Klein said it was ludicrous that CARE is included in the anti-Semitism strategy. He said that's like having David Duke put together a program against racism against blacks. He also called for Deborah Lipstadt, Biden's special envoy for anti-Semitism, would be fired, citing how she's not condemned anti-Jewish rallies and statements across U.S. universities. So here's what you have. As I speak, going on in the Biden administration, as well as the spies that he appointed to negotiate the nuclear deal, one of whom just had his ticket pulled on classified information, is under secret investigation by the FBI. I'll be right back. I have to tell you something that speaks to the very core of our values as Americans, about a veteran-owned company on a mission to make a real difference in the lives of our military members. And of course, I'm talking about our great sponsor, Pure Talk. I absolutely love what they're doing. Our veterans gave everything to protect our nation, and Pure Talk understands the sacrifices they've made. Now, they've set an ambitious goal to eliminate $10 million in military debt by Veterans Day, but they can't do it alone. They need your help. When you switch to Pure Talk's lightning-fast 5G network, they'll donate a portion of every new order to this no cause and you can make a real difference just by choosing superior cell phone service and pure talks plans start at just 20 bucks a month offering unlimited talk unlimited text more data and a mobile hotspot just go to puretalk.com slash levin l-e-v-i-n and make the switch let's rally together show our unwavering support for our veterans get the best service at the best price as well visit puretalk.com slash levin puretalk.com slash l-e-v-i-n and switch to pure talk today in less than 10 minutes it's the right move and it's the American way. Nobody says it better than Mark Levin. I'll go with what Mark Levin said, because nobody could say it better. Call in now at 877-381-3811. Let me read you something. The same people in charge of Iran policy today are in charge, were in charge under Obama. Some of the names have changed, but their influence remains. Because I think these two administrations, Obama and Biden, are interchangeable. Propaganda. The selling of the Obama-Iran nuclear deal. And I want you to think about it in today's terms. This is from Unfreedom of the Press, page 121. How many people do you know who are radio hosts that, that go back and read from their own research from years ago? None. That's why I write books differently. On May 5, 2016, in a long profile piece, and of course, the New York Times Sunday Magazine, President Barack Obama's Deputy National Security Advisor, Ben Rhodes, bragged about his ability and success in deceiving the American people with a complicit press. Sound familiar? The article was was titled, The Aspiring Novelist Who Became Obama's Foreign Policy Guru, How Ben Rhodes Rewrote the Rules of Diplomacy for the Digital Age. 
And it was written by David Samuels, who was seemingly both amused by and approving of Rhodes' propaganda techniques. Samuels wrote in part that Rhodes' innovative campaign to sell the Iran deal is likely to be model for how future administrations explain foreign policy to Congress and the public. Because Biden's doing about what you're going to hear. The way in which most Americans have heard the story, writes the Post writer, of the Iran deal presented that the Obama administration began seriously engaging with Iranian officials in 2013 in order to take advantage of a new political reality in Iran, which came about because of elections that brought moderates to power in that country, was largely manufactured for the purpose of selling the deal, unquote. A main argument for negotiating with the Iran regime was, quote, actively misleading, unquote, that's me, and regurgitated by journalists who wanted to support Obama's policy. That would be the same journalists who now support Hamas's policies. As Samuels reported, in the narrative that Rhodes shaped, the story of the Iran deal began in 2013 when a moderate faction inside the Iranian regime, led by Hassan Rouhani, beat regime hardliners, I'm quoting, in an election, and then began to pursue a policy of openness, which included a newfound willingness to negotiate the dismantling of its illicit nuclear weapons program. This is all from the Post. The president set out the timeline himself in his speech announcing the nuclear deal on January 14, 2015. Today, after two years of negotiations, he said, the United States, together with our international partners, has achieved something that decades of animosity is not. Now, while the president's statement was technically accurate, there had in fact been two years of formal negotiations leading up to the signing of his nuclear deal. It was also actively misleading. Because the most meaningful part of the negotiations with Iran had begun in the mid-2012, many months before Rouhani and the moderate, so-called moderate camp were chosen in an election among candidates hand-picked by Iran's supreme leader, the Ayatollah Ali Khamenei. The idea that there was a new reality in Iran was politically useful to the Obama administration. Here they are admitting it. This is the New York, the Washington Post, excuse me. Indeed, the reporter Samuel seemed to find virtue in the Obama administration's successful propaganda campaign. He wrote, by obtaining broad public currency for the thought that there was a significant split in the regime and that the administration was reaching out to the moderate-minded Iranians who wanted peaceful relations with their neighbors and with America, Obama was able to evade what might have otherwise been a divisive but clarifying debate over the actual policy choices that his administration was making. You understand this? He was selling out our country to Iran, but they were using propaganda to create this false narrative of a moderate part and a hardliner part of the Iranian regime. There was no moderate part. But this is how they sold it to the American people and to Congress. And as I point out, then came the conga line of experts who, whose appearances were orchestrated and statements were scripted by Rhodes. Rhodes, that Novelist who became Deputy National Security Advisor to, to Obama. And then he brags about this ruse, as I point out in the book. Quote, Rhodes said and admitted, we created an echo chamber, says the reporter, when I asked him to explain the onslaught of freshly-minded experts cheering the deal. They were saying things that validated what we had given them to say. What we had given them to say. Rhodes was also 
would also plant the administration's talking points with journalists, some of whom would repeat them verbatim. The reporter writes, in this environment, Rhodes had become adept at being a ventriloquist for many of the people at once, he wrote. Ned Price, Rhodes' assistant, gave me a a primer on how it's done. The easiest way for the White House to shape the news, he explained, is from the briefing podiums, each of which has its own dedicated press corps. But then there are sort of these force multipliers, he said, adding, we have our comrades, I will reach out to a couple people, and you know, I wouldn't want to name them, media comrades, also known as journalists, who were ideological soulmates and willing to report the administration's message as news. Samuels and Price are insiders who know how the propaganda game is played. Samuels replied to Price, I can name them the reporters. I said, ticking off a few names of prominent Washington reporters and columnists who often tweet in sync with the White House messaging. Price laughed. I'll say, hey, look, some people are spinning this narrative that this is a sign of American weakness, he continued. But Samuels, entertained by it all, interrupted. In fact, it's a sign of strength. I said, chuckling. Price continued, and all I give them, some color, and the next thing I know, lots of these guys are in the dot-com publishing space have huge Twitter followings, and they'll be putting this message out on their own. They're bragging openly in the Washington Post, and the Washington Post reporter is celebrating it, how they lied to the American people and to Congress about the Iran deal. And it's the same people advising Biden. Biden is lying to we the people, the American people, how he's standing by Israel. He puts these fleets of, two fleets, in and around the Middle East. Well, at the same time, our diplomats are working with Iran, insisting that Israel feed and medicate the people in Gaza insisting that the Israelis not take any steps without our approval, inserting a general into their military, using ass-backwards techniques for negotiating for hostages, lying to us every day about what's actually taking place. I want to give a shout-out to a left-wing Democrat. What do you mean, Mark? You know, sometimes people are misguided in their politics. They're not to be celebrated for it. But sometimes these are people who are misguided, but they're not radical ideologues that hate their own country. Like Ilhan Omar. Like Talib. Like AOC. Like most writers at the New York Times and the Washington Post. Like so much of the Democrat Party leaders. You know, I see these guys who are claimed to be moderates, particularly uh, Jewish guys who are Democrats and pretend to be my. What is that guy's name that I always get wrong? The congressman from uh, New Jersey, Mr. Producer. Godheimer. He joins all these committees, you know, the We Can Committee, the Bipartisan Committee, and there he is sitting there voting with AOC and Talib. And Omar, they don't even have the guts to resign their party. Not one of them. Not one of them. 
Not one of them says, you know what? You know, you look at this brave mayor in Dallas. A black gentleman. You get selected as a Democrat. He said, no, I can't deal with these Democrats. I, I'm a Republican. And he said, you guys, guys like Gottheimer. And others. Who want you to believe they're moderates. But they vote day in and day out for the Democrat Party leadership. They don't come out against Biden. No. And so they have to figure out how to make all this work, you see. But at a time like this, they're no damn good. Here's Representative Richie Torres. He's a black gentleman. He's obviously not Jewish. He represents a heavy Democrat district in New York. And he's interviewed on CNN. Cut for a go. You know, every casualty is a tragedy. Uh, every war is a humanitarian crisis. But we have to keep in mind the causes of the war. Israel did not start the war. The war was imposed upon Israel by the barbaric terrorism of Hamas, which butchered 1,400 Israelis, including babies. You know, my colleague, Representative Omar, you know, has voted against uh, Iron Dome, which is a missile defense system that protects Israeli civilians from relentless rocket fire. Were it not for Iron Dome interceptions, there would be far more dead Israelis, far more by orders of magnitude. And so the policy positions that she has taken would have led to even more dead Israelis and more dead Palestinians. I don't know this guy. I don't know all his politics. But he's the most rational House Democrat on this issue that I've heard yet. And look what he says about Omar. She voted against the Iron Dome system, a purely defensive system to protect Israel from missiles coming from Hamas or Hezbollah. That's all it's for. It can't even shoot offensive missiles. And she voted against it, did Omar. We have people in Congress who are enemies of our country. Who come from certain parts of the world. Her ancestry, or her recent history, is Somalia. Talib is the Palestinian territories. And then you have the other reprobates and malcontents. They come out of the Marxist movement. You see, Omar and Talib come out of the Islamist movement and are Marxist to boot. AOC comes out of the Marxist movement. Bowman comes out of the Marxist movement. Presley comes out of the Marxist movement. Bush comes out of the Marxist movement. And so they overlap. They intertwine in their ideologies. They hate America. They despise America. And of course... They hate the Jews and they despise Israel. Hey, let's, let's, ta- let, let's take the veneer off. Let's, let's cut to the chase here. Because that's exactly the case. All these people marching in the street who are defending Hamas, who are attacking Israel. All these people marching in the street, are they saying, are they saying Hamas does not represent the Palestinians? No. They're defending Hamas. Tens of thousands of them. 
And yet, we're given this pretense. Most Palestinians don't support this. How do we know? Looks like an awful lot of them do. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I have to tell you something that speaks to the very core of our values as Americans. About a veteran-owned company on a mission to make a real difference in the lives of our military members. And of course, I'm talking about our great sponsor, Pure Talk. I absolutely love what they're doing. Our veterans gave everything to protect our nation. And Pure Talk understands the sacrifices they've made. Now, they've set an ambitious goal to eliminate $10 million in military debt by Veterans Day. But they can't do it alone. They need your help. When you switch to Pure Talk's lightning-fast 5G network, they'll donate a portion of every new order to this no cause. And you can make a real difference just by choosing superior cell phone service. And Pure Talk's plans start at just 20 bucks a month, offering unlimited talk, unlimited text, more data, and a mobile hotspot. Just go to puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, and make the switch. Let's rally together, show our unwavering support for our veterans, get the best service at the best price as well. Visit puretalk.com slash Levin, puretalk.com slash L-E-V-I-N, and switch to Pure Talk today in less than 10 minutes. It's the right move, and it's the American way. Sir Richard, Sir Richie Torres. Now, we have Blinken on Meet the Press. Uh, and uh, listen to this. Cut eight, Mr. Producer, go. Mr. Secretary, there's been a lot of discussion about what happens after the war. Can you tell us what Israel's strategy is after your meeting with Prime Minister Netanyahu, who will govern Gaza once the war is over. Hey, let's stop right there. Israel defeats Gaza. What does she mean, who will govern Gaza? Is this all of a sudden an international issue? What are you going to do, bring in the UN that hates the Jews in Israel and America? The Chinese and Russians going to have a say? How about Iran? Are they going to have a say too? How about all those Arab countries that have that have asked for all the Palestinians to come into their countries, meaning none. What do they mean? That's going to be Israeli blood. IDF blood that's already, already been spilled. Israeli citizens who've already been slaughtered. What do you mean? So the Israelis go in there, they destroy Hamas, if Biden lets them, and then they say all of a sudden, okay, what's going to happen here? Who's going to be in charge here? That's what we're dealing with. Mental midgets, morons. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. 
Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Sheila Jackson Lee is quite the low life. She's been in Congress a couple of decades, maybe. And these Democrat low lives, they talk about how people should treat each other. Pass all these human resources laws, these equity laws, you know, these race-based laws. Then they do whatever the hell they want. Sheila Jackson Lee is a lowlife. I want you to listen to this. Apparently one of the staffers had enough, and at least reportedly uh, got a tape of this. 21, go. Uh, regarding uh, something that was owed by Duncan Tell. Where is it? What, what date was it? Oh, from yes. Sure, Rome took it upstairs. I have to call him to pick it up when I switched out the picture. I'll call him. I, I don't want you to do a damn thing. I want you to have a brain. I want you to have read it. I want you to say, Congresswoman, it was such and such a date. That's what I want. That's the kind of staff that I want to have. So some stupid other mother... And, and I don't have the information. Nobody sent me the information. I need to uh, ensure my um, schedule. And, uh, you know, if, if Boo-Boo did it, did it, face did it. And nobody knows a damn thing in my office. Okay? Nothing. I gave it to you. Your job was to get it on the calendar, imprint it in your brain, or send me the information back saying, Congresswoman, I made sure that the old guy Duncan Tell event that you gave me uh, for so-and-so date at 7 is on the not to quote Jerome Hansen. Okay? So when I called Jerome, he gonna be sitting up there like a fat ass, stupid idiot, talking about uh, what the he doesn't know. Okay? Both of y'all are fed up some an F. It's the worst that I could have ever had put together. Two damn big ass children. Idiots. Serve no damn purpose. Ain't managing nobody, nobody's respecting them, nobody gives a shit about what you're doing. And you ain't doing There you go. She's a former judge in Houston, congresswoman, and nobody will say anything to her. You can't get away with that in any private sector environment. None. She said so many curse words. You know, I try not to curse, Mr. Producer, as you well know. The F word is something I don't like. She has said it here more times than I think I've ever heard it in my life. Um, Truly unbelievable. And most of these members of Congress are complete frauds and phonies. They have a double life. Conyers had a double life. And on and on and on down the list. She has a double life. She comes off very proper during her questions, well-spoken. Typical leftist. And then in private, this is who she is. She's grotesque. Speaking of grotesque, Dizzy Lizzie Cheney. 
she's on CNN. You can see she's welcome. Romney's welcome. They're all welcome. You see, they didn't talk to me about my book, Mr. Producer. But I really don't want to talk to them anyway. But Dizzy Lizzie, this is where she lives. We invited her on this program during the January 6th Stalinist Committee multiple times, and she refused, didn't she, Mr. Producer? She got an award from the Kennedy Foundation. I was going to give her the awards from Fatty's United, you know, F.U. But I gave it to her anyway. <clears throat> she doesn't need to be present for that. So F.U. Liz, as a member of Fatty's United, here she is on CNN. And I'm playing this for a reason. Because she is such a low life. As I'll explain in a moment. Cut 15, go. What has it been like to watch this fiasco play out over the last few weeks? So this I mean, is fake Tapper, who's out there making immoral equivalencies between Jews who were slaughtered in horrendous ways and Israel defending itself. So fake Tapper has done this every time Israel's been attacked. So he is a propagandist for the enemy. Aren't you fake? He's another, in my view, self-hating Jew. Go ahead. What has it been like to watch this fiasco play out over the last few weeks? I, I mean, it, it is, uh, it's hard to describe. Um, I wish yeah, that it were yeah. surprising. Um, you know, what we've and seen... And nothing surprises me. You know, I hate thoroughly all Republicans now. Me being the righteous one. Praise be me. That's right. I'm not surprised what's happened to the Republican Party where it wouldn't take my lead. Me, who couldn't get elected dog catcher in any Republican jurisdiction anywhere on the face of the country. But I do appreciate all my new Democrat friends in the media and outside the media. Daddy did a video not long ago. I think Daddy's copying Biden, but that's a whole other story. Go ahead. Of really um, the leadership decisions that Kevin McCarthy made all the way back after the 2020 election. She is a real hate on for McCarthy and Jordan. Real hate on. And remember, she was one of the cabal. She was one of them. Uh, who obviously destroyed two-thirds of the information that January 6th committee. I had no idea about any of that. And set up this phony Soviet-style hearing for the American people. No, no, you don't understand. I did what Nancy... T- I mean, we did the best we could. Go ahead. Sixth, and, you know, looking the other way in the face of the kind of assault on our democracy that we've seen. Uh, from oh, Donald yeah, that was quite an assault on our democracy. Look what's going on in the streets right now. That's an assault on our democracy. That is shocking. She didn't come out and defend Trump and the White House was under assault. Go ahead. Then his allies in the House, including Jim Jordan, elevating uh, those members, um, frankly, uh, some of whom are white supremacists, some of whom are uh, anti-Semitic. You have Republican members who are white supremacists and anti-Semitic? They do a pretty good job of covering it up, don't they, Mr. Producer? I don't know of any. But she's now with the party of the 
black nationalists and separatists and anti-Semitic movements like the squad. Liz, Liz could be a squad member these days. She really could be. Go ahead. A number of whom in, were involved directly in the attempt to seize power um, and overturn the election. So it's 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 not a surprise when you see uh, that those people have been empowered. But but it's also McCarthy it's really empowered dangerous. them, right? Exactly. All right, that's a good question, Jake. I love, love the way you do that. McCarthy. Let me so, tell you something about Kevin McCarthy. The haters and the lovers of Kevin McCarthy. Among all the other things that go on, Kevin McCarthy once a year took Democrat and Republican members of the House to Israel to see the Jewish sites, the Christian sites, the Muslim sites, to inform themselves about the security issues in that country, to show them the Golan Heights, to show them Surat, to show them all these places, to inform themselves. Democrats and Republicans. Liz Cheney never lifted a finger. In fact, the Bush-Cheney administration weren't exactly buddies of the state of Israel either. Nothing like Trump. Nothing. And nothing like McCarthy. And unbeknownst to me, I don't go to many events, even when they're handing me very beautiful Awards, which I much appreciate, I really do. When um, the Florida ZOA decided to give me an award, which I'm very grateful for, unbeknownst to me, the person who introduced me, who came all the way from his home, I think it was, to Florida, was Kevin McCarthy. And, you know, he gave all these indicators and all the rest to the anti-Semites, Jake Tapper. So McCarthy empowered them, right? Exactly. Are you an anti-Semite, Jake? How about Liz? Can you prove you're not? Cut 16, go. Look, I think what you're seeing right now and among the Republicans in the House is a direct result of the decisions that Kevin McCarthy made to uh, embrace uh, Donald Trump. She just has a real unhinged obsession with Donald Trump. She just does. So much like Stalin, she wants to destroy her enemy. That's her enemy. And yet Trump was right about NATO. He got NATO to fund up. Her daddy didn't, and neither did her daddy's boss, Bush. And he did everything he could to put Iran in a box, and he did. Unlike Bush, Cheney. And he did everything he could to put the Palestinians in a box, and did. Unlike Bush, Cheney. And he moved the American embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, unlike Bush Cheney. So you see, Trump's the anti-Semite. Unlike Liz and her daddy and Bush, who are always showing complete and full support for um, whatever. Who knows? Then we have Al Sharpton. See, we have quite the conga line on CNN and MSNBC. Repulsive, unconscionable unhinged morons 
And there's Sharpton, always a friend of the Jews. There's, there's Sharpton, always, always a man of the people, always an America-loving moderate, that Al Sharpton. His purple jumpsuit. Oh, yeah, he's been great. So there's Rachel Maddow on, another American hater. If Trump gets elected, I'm afraid we're all going to get executed. Didn't she say that, Mr. Producer? You there, Rich? Didn't she say that? She said something like that. Cut 18, go. A lot of Americans associate modern-day fascism with Trumpism, and you mentioned Trump. Yeah, right. And this right. week, the former president... Uh, let's stop there. Let's look at your record, Al, compared to Trump's Al. Trump didn't cause any riots that targeted Jews. You did. You did, Al. That's fascism, isn't it, Al? Are you a fascist, Al? Is that what you did? A lot of Americans that Trump is a fascist. A lot of Americans think you're a pig, Al. I would never say such a thing about you, such a gracious, articulate civil rights icon. I would never call you a pig, Al, for what you did. For how you, how you were so truthful in all the things you said. How you worked up the crowds, Al. You remember all those things, Al? I would never call you a pig. And of course, MSNBC, being a very professional organization, <clears throat> they, they have Al on the payroll. Joy Reid, who used to attack homosexuals, and is a bigot. They have her on the payroll. Let's see, what other bigots and anti-Semites does MSNBC have on the payroll? Maybe too many to count. What do you think about that, Tapper? And McCarthy, shut up, you idiot. Go ahead. And current Republican frontrunner, by the way, was fined by a judge for trashing a law clerk online. Trump has tried to undermine... Wow, that doesn't nearly compare to all your good civic works, Hal. Let me get that. He was fined by a judge for trashing a law clerk online? Wow. And compared to all your good work, Al? That really is felonious. It's also balonious, you jerk. Go ahead. Ah, shut up, you idiot. Why am I even giving you air time? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Dave Chappelle. I don't believe I've ever commented on this guy. Everybody comes to his defense. He's a real stand-up guy. No, he isn't. He's an a-hole. Wall Street Journal. Dave Chappelle criticized Israel's bombing of Gaza. At a performance in Boston in which the comedian accused the U.S. of aiding the slaughter of innocent civilians. See, this has an impact on Biden and his inner circle. Because these are the kind of low-life, low-IQ morons uh, that they hang out with. Washington and New York and Hollywood. Did you see these people in Hollywood? Time for a ceasefire. Shut the hell up, you clowns. Are they on strike? I hope. It's over? The writers are over? Go on strike. Get out of the way, you jerks. 
In a show at TD Garden on Thursday, Chappelle first condemned the October 7 attack on it. So I go, it was awful. It should never have happened. But two wrongs don't make a right. We need a ceasefire to negotiate with the Nazis. To negotiate what with the Nazis? So sick. But he criticized what he said were war crimes in Gaza, according to people in attendance. That's right, war crimes. Defending yourself. I don't think we've invented a bullet yet, a grenade yet, a missile yet, or any armament. That can pick out the terrorists who dress in civilian clothing from the civilians. Tough thing to do. We never did that. I guess World War II, we committed all kinds of world crimes, didn't we, America? Because we wanted to defeat the Nazis and Imperial Japan and fascistic Italy, and that's what we did. I don't know. We didn't bring our generals up, did we, on war crimes? Eisenhower, Patton, Bradley, so many other. No, I don't think so. I think we celebrated them. Now we have General Joe S. Biden of Scranton. Who's the commander-in-chief of two countries, or wants to be. The comments came up when Chappelle said he didn't think students should lose job offers for supporting Palestinians. Now, I want to make it abundantly clear. Once again, despite the constant lectures to you and me that there's a difference between Hamas and the Palestinians, the supporters of the Palestinians continue to talk about Hamas as Palestinians. The media do exactly the same thing. There's two sides here. Well, aren't there then three sides? Students shouldn't lose their job for supporting Palestinians. An audience member's command for the comedian to shut up drew an emotional response from Chappelle who criticized the Israeli government for cutting off water. Cutting off water and electricity. Let me just suggest to you. If they'd cut off the water and electricity for the past two weeks, this thing might be over. Instead, you give them water, you give them electricity, you give food, you give medicine. Who fights a war this way? We don't. Do the Arabs? Do the Europeans? No. So why are we pressuring the Israeli Jews to do that? Just in time for Halloween, the Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi nightmare continues. Call in now, 877-381-3811. I want to mention what a fantastic time uh, we had at the Reagan Library on Saturday with a packed house of truly wonderful people, great patriots. And Levinites, and I cannot thank those who you t- who turned out. I cannot thank you enough. We had a fantastic time, didn't we? And they sold out in record time because we have, I have, and I am blessed with the most loyal audience in America. And got to meet each and every person who came through the line. And thereafter, too, and some people wanted more time, but it had gotten late. I think it was 9, 9.30, and I needed to leave. We were catching, my wife and I, my mother-in-law, were catching a plane the next morning, very early. But it was a full day. It was joyous. It was exhilarating. And uh, I want to thank the muckety-muck there, 
David, who's the new CEO and executive director. Uh, the prior high muckety-muck, John Highbush, dear friend, was there. Governor Pete Wilson and his lovely wife. Um, Ed Atzinger, head muckety-muck at Salem. Uh-oh, I'm going down the list here. Now I'm going to forget people, but I don't mean to forget people. I just want to thank everybody. My buddy Shia, my man, and uh, dear friends were there as well. It was just fantastic. I wound up signing, I think, 1,350 books. People kept asking me how my hand felt. It felt great. There's no problem. But every two years, <coughs> excuse me, they, uh, they are fantastic hosts. And you folks who went, you are fantastic guests. And I just want to thank each and every one of you. We had a fantastic time. My wife, Julie, my mother-in-law, Sylvia, and I. Here's an editor's note from the New York Times to you. Not really to us. Nobody reads that crap, but you know the usuals. On October 17, the New York Times published news of an explosion at a hospital in Gaza City. Leading its coverage were claims by Hamas government officials that an Israeli airstrike was the cause, that hundreds of people were dead or injured. The report included a large headline at the top of the Times website. Well, why don't you tell us what it was? You blamed Israel. Israel subsequently denied being at fault and blamed an errant rocket launch by the Palestinian faction group Islamic Jihad, which has in turn denied responsibility. American and other international officials have said their evidence indicates that the rocket came from Palestinian fighter positions. The Times' initial accounts attributed the claim of Israeli responsibility to Palestinian officials. In order that, now you notice how they do it too, Mr. Producer? They don't say Hamas. It's now Palestinian officials. You see what I mean, America? It's the Palestinians when they want to undermine Israel or protect themselves. They took verbatim what Hamas said. The Hamas said. That is the Palestinian said. That's correct. Which has in turn denied responsibility. The Times' initial accounts attributed the claim of Israeli responsibility to Palestinian officials and noted that the Israeli military said it was investigating the blast. However, the early versions of the coverage and the prominence it received in a headline, news alert, and social media channels relied too heavily on claims by Hamas. No, relied exclusively on claims by Hamas. Why, do you have reporters there? It did not make clear that those claims could not immediately be verified. The report left readers with an incorrect impression about what was known and how credible the account was. You see how mealy-mouthed these people are? They're disgusting. They did the same thing in their 2001 report on their 150th anniversary about their coverage of the Holocaust. It started out very strong, and then we got into the weasel words. The Times continued to update its coverage as more information became available, reporting the disputed claims of responsibility Disputed claims of responsibility between the Israelis and Hamas? <laughs> Within two hours, the headline and other text at the top of the website reflected the scope of the explosion and the dispute over responsibility. There was no dispute over responsibility. Hamas lied and Israel told the truth. 
Given the sensitive nature of the news during a widening conflict and the prominent promotion it received, Times editors should have taken more care with the initial presentation and been more explicit about what information could be verified. Newsroom leaders continue to examine procedures around the biggest breaking news events, including for the use of the largest headlines of the digital report to determine what additional safeguards may be warranted. What a bunch of crap, Mr. Producer. You didn't get it wrong. You did exactly what you wanted to do. And you unleashed violence throughout the world. And in our own country. You did exactly what you wanted to do, just like during the Holocaust. You did exactly what you wanted to do. Just like during Stalin's slaughter of the Ukrainians in 1932, you did exactly what you wanted to do. There are many layers, ladies and gentlemen, from uh, research, from a reporter, or several reporters they usually have on a story over there, and uh, managing editors and all the rest. They all went along with it. This stuff doesn't just get published. The safeguards would be that you, that you close down your operation, which is a disgusting, bloodlust, propaganda operation that not only defends but promotes subhuman terrorists. You promoted the Nazis by your silence in the 30s and 40s, and you're promoting the modern Nazis by your affirmative reporting on their behalf. There weren't two sides. And so who's going to get fired over this, New York Times? Nobody. Well, who wrote the headline? We're not telling you. Well, who wrote the second headline? We're not telling you. Who was the editor in charge? We're not telling you. Who was the managing editor? We're not telling you. Is anyone going to be fired? No. Nobody going to be fired. Don't ask us again. And you shouldn't expect anybody to be fired. Why? Because it's the New York Times. And the New York Times has no intention of changing anything. Why? Because it has its brain-dead zombies who buy the paper or read their stupid website. And, of course, the New York Times hires back. Let me see here. Let me pull this up real fast. Oh, here it is. Has to be reported, of course, by the New York Post, not the New York Times, by Shannon Thaler. New York Times rehires Hitler praising Salomon Haji to cover Israel-Hamas war. Oh, no wonder you get your stories wrong. A New York Times reporter who came under fire last year for a praising Adolf Hitler in multiple resurfaced Facebook posts was rehired by the gray lady to cover the Israeli-Palestine war. It's like MSNBC hiring these racists and anti-Semites. Oh, I apologize. Oh, okay, come on back in. And that's that jerk at 8 p.m. who goes up against me and gets crushed every Sunday, Mr. Producer. I forget his name, but we spoke about him before. Palestinian filmmaker Salomon Hiji hailed the Nazi leader as recently as 2018. It's a long time ago. What? Two and a half years ago? In a post on Facebook where he shared a photo of himself captioned that he was, quote, in a state of harmony as Hitler was during the Holocaust, unquote. Per translation from Arabic pro-Israel media watchdog Honest Reporting. That same year, Hiji was hired by the Times as a freelance journalist and worked on a slew of visual investigations published by the organization through 2021, including one on an Israeli airstrike that killed 44 people. 
Here's his 2018 post, including a 2012 Facebook post where he wrote, How great you are, Hitler. In Arabic, a long slide of photoshopped image of Hitler seemingly taking a selfie were unearthed last year when pro-Israel outlets called out the Times for hiring anti-Semitic journalists as free freelancers. At the time, Hishi didn't appear to be working for the Times anymore and since taken down his controversial pro-Hitler po- Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And of course, the New York Post shows exactly what happened. However, the Times rehired the anti-Semitic freelancer last week. Hashem's byline has appeared in the publication nearly every day since October 12, his last story from Gaza published on Thursday. Hishi wrote a piece titled, At a hospital in southern Gaza, a backup generation becomes a critical lifeline. But a facility two miles from Ahib Arab Hospital bombing by a Palestinian terrorist organization that falsely blamed Israel for the attack. We call it Islamic Jihad of Palestine. A Times spokes it defended the outlet's decision to rehire Hiji. What did they say? We reviewed problematic social media posts by Mr. Hiji when they first came to light in 2022 and took a variety of actions to ensure he understood our concerns and could adhere to our standards. That's true. That's their standards. The New York Times has a Hitler problem. The New York Times has a Hitler problem. So does CNN. So does NBC. They have a Hitler problem. Uh, once Israel denied any involvement, the Times swapped it out, that headline we just talked about, one that said, hundreds dead in blast at Gaza Hospital, Palestinians say. Mr. Hishi followed those steps and has maintained high journalistic standards. He's delivered important and impartial work at great personal risk in Gaza during this conflict. I don't know, are they going to hire David Duke? He's apologized. If he did, he's got high journalistic standards, you know. Isn't this sick? Israel's ambassador to the UN, Gilad Erdan, slammed the Times for its decision to bring back Hiji. The New York Times has just rehired a Nazi. Let that sink in. The New York Times has now defended two Nazi regimes. Hitler's? And the Palestinian Hamas Nazi regime. But don't worry, the editors have checks in place to fix this, Mr. Producer. And I would encourage state legislatures throughout America, particularly those that are Republican and don't have Democrat Party opposition, because you know the Democrat Party hates America. Look at Hillsdale as the model, as the example, and start to defund these state funded institutions that have given platforms to anti-Semites, to terrorist front organizations, to tenured Marxist professors. Enough is enough. Hillsdale is the North Star. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Isn't it interesting that the uh, Islamo-Nazis and their supporters are still in the streets of America? Apparently they don't have jobs. Now what it is is Hamas and their surrogates, they flip a switch and their network is activated. Along with the Marxist groups, 
along with the Students for Peace in Palestine, Hamas Front Group, and others, they flip a switch and the network is activated. This is what they intended. And their network is not just in the streets. It's in the newspapers and broadcasting, and it's in Congress. And I might add, in the Biden administration. This is a big deal. Ladies and gentlemen, I am very, very grateful for you, and I thank you. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our truckers, freedom fighters all over the world, and our brothers and sisters in Israel. God bless each and every one of you. We're thinking about you. And I will see you tomorrow. God bless. God bless.